I wasn't going to send a message because the only way to do it was with a voice recording and I'm not that into that, but I just couldn't let it go after like the 20th time that Eli said Thrasher movie. I think the genre he means to reference is slasher movies. Um, That being said, this Halloween episode really made me laugh hard. Welcome to Hive Mind. I'm Meg, and I am on Zoom with Eli McCann and Angie Treasure. Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. I had so much fun last time. We're so happy to have you. Tell us what you've been watching. Uh, I'm trying to get caught up on Succession because Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like I can't be part of the zeitgeist conversation without it. And I'm still behind, but I I also feel included in, in the movement now. So that's good. Where are you? Uh, I'm getting to the end of season two. And I got to say, like, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know how many people have did like an imprint on Mr. Darcy, Matthew McFadden, <laughs> like in to the late 2000s, like yeah. I did. But it's so strange watching him be this like sniveling kind of pathetic uh, yeah. figure. I wonder if that's why I kind of like I do love Tom. I have a real affection for Tom and I wonder if it's because I can't let go of that Mr. Darcy image that I'll always have in my head of him. Right. And what's interesting is I talked to like my male coworker who is really into succession and he thinks he's just the worst. Really? Interesting. Maybe. And he's younger than I am. Everyone I work with at this point is younger than me. Um, But he, they just, he just does not have that same, uh, you know, backlog of, of great Matthew McFadden, the hand flex in the field. So apparently I'm on my own in that one. No, I'm with you. I'm totally with you there. What else have you been watching? Finish up squid games. Okay. Not S squid game. what do you think? Um, I don't know if I watched it post overhype and I, I, I get it very black mirror like I, I felt like it was kind of a drawn out you know i get it capitalism bad yeah uh, i liked the ending much more than i thought i would because people said the ending was was controversial um but i thought it was actually more effective than a lot of the previous movies or previous episodes um i'm i'm curious did you guys watch it dubbed over or subtitles well, I watched it subtitles, but I did give up on episode four and Googled the end because I just, I, it's weird to say about a show that's so violent and disturbing, but I got bored of the same thing over and over. And so I just lost interest and had to mm-hmm. Google it. And at the end did surprise me. I didn't see that coming. So I, I imagine it was well done, at least story-wise, but I feel like it was too long. It uh, it it felt very much like post grad's first apocalyptic film <laughs> that critiques capitalism. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why. Like I, I mean, I was like, I get it. I you know, money's hard, and people do a lot of bad things for money. The message was not subtle. It was it was very very overt, and I was like, we can maybe trust our audience a little more. But a lot of people got it that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Anything else from you? 
That's mostly it. Other, I'm starting. I'm in the moment where I'm starting to watch watch a lot of basketball again. So uh, I, uh, I'm yeah. Behind a lot. For those who don't know, remind us what your job is. I'm uh, heading into season four of being social media manager for the Utah Jazz. Very cool. Proud to know you. Oh <laughs> goodness. Thank you. I'm I'm the least the third coolest person on this on the Zoom call right now. No. That's not true. Nope. Speaking Maybe of fourth if Duncan's anywhere near Eli's lap, <laughs> I'm way lower. Um patient zero over here. How you doing? Oh yeah, I'm I'm dealing with COVID, which should mean that I'm watching a lot of TV, but as it turns out, like I don't know. Angie, did you ever have COVID? I no. did. I'm knock on wood have avoided. Oh, try yeah. to avoid it. Yeah. I, I would encourage you to avoid it. Um, as it turns out, like it's not even fun to watch TV. Like you're just, just blah, you know, but I've tried, I've tried. And so I am ready to just finally be permanently canceled over this opinion. I finally this week was like, you know what, now's the time for me to figure out how to like Ted Lasso. So I started it again and I spent a few hours with it and I was just like, no, nope, this just isn't for me. Like whatever, whatever it is, it's just not for me. And I'm glad it's for a lot of people, but it, it's, it's too cheesy for me. I can't do it. I don't like the characters. I don't think it's funny. And so I, I am jealous of everyone out there who loves Ted Lasso because it seems like it means a lot to a lot of people, but Yeah. Eli, I this week was like, you know what? I'm going to power through. I'm going to watch season two because people really seem to love it. And I had a moment where I thought, is this an emperor's new clothes thing? Like, is this, are we all pretending to like it because someone wants a, a fr someone we think is cool likes it? I don't. I don't know. I really like season one and I wonder if it was pandemic. There was nothing to watch. And now I'm just. I, I'm forcing myself to get through every episode. Angie, have you been watching? Yeah, I'm all caught up. I I am probably a little of the opinion. I think it's good. I do like it. I think a bunch of the charm in season one was the surprise where, you know, and, and, even, and even then, like, it's just like, oh, we can do sports, but like gentle and kind. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like not revolutionary, but at the same time, it's, you know, uh, I think it's surprising to see Jason Sudeikis, who had clearly been assholes for a lot of his post SNL film career, be like, oh, he's just kind of sincere. And, and, and I do love Roy Kent. Roy Kent is incredible. I mm -hmm. think season two has gotten a little lost. Um, I don't love the relationship between the young footballer and the owner. I think that yeah. flipping the gender norms does not make that less gross to me. Like, I. Yeah. I don't enjoy that. I, that felt it. I get, again, they're going for this sweetness, but it's like, okay, could she find someone who she doesn't have power over <laughs> perhaps? Mm -hmm. right. um, I don't know. Season two, it is different. It's a different feel than the, than the first season. And I think a lot of it is they took a lot of things off the pitch that I think people enjoyed like watching the games and some of that being easy and like Friday night lights -y, and yeah. that got removed in a way that I think took some of the heart where they didn't think they were like, well, we'll do more heart. Cause we can go to all these more sets. We have more money. We can do a lot more offsites and, and, and different things, but it felt 
I, I didn't cry in season two. Him him having to go to a therapist did not feel revolutionary to me, but I, I enjoy it. I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad people uh, have really loved that show. But I you get why it, not everyone loves it. It kind of reminds me of someone who, at one point, someone said to them, hey, you're really good at talking about this thing, and then they turn that into their whole personality, and that's all they are now. It's like Ted Lasso and earnestness. I'm kind of wondering what happened to the jokes because it used to be a comedy. And now I'm like, oh, we're doing a deep dive into mental health. I don't know. I don't know if I need that from my comedy programming, but it, people, there are people who really seem to love it. And I'm happy for those people. Eli is not one of them. I, I know I, I am on the same page as you guys. I'm glad it exists. This is, I, we've talked about on Hive Mind TV shows and movies where I'm like, nobody should like this. And then TV shows and movies where I'm like, I don't like this, but I'm glad other people do. This is that latter category for me where I'm just like, it just doesn't speak to me, but I'm glad it does for other people. Because I do think like it has a nice message and so good, like put that out into the world. It just, that message doesn't resonate with me through this forum. So it's fine. I also think we, we've had so many TV shows where it's just like, what if everyone's awful on the show and you don't like anybody? And it's just like, okay, I think we got our fill of like, yeah. there's no one to root for in the room. And then we finally landed on a Ted Lasso, which seems to be single-handedly keeping Apple Plus subscriptions high. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the morning show is garbage, but I watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you are totally right. I feel like the 2010s, just threw so many TV shows and movies at us of uh, people in their 20s and 30s who are not likable. And that got very exhausting to me very, very fast. Um, Ted Lasso feels like an overcorrection. I kind of, I would kind of like to go back to like the days of Parks and Rec and The Office, which does kind of a, a nice blend of unlikable characters that you root for anyway, because they're also kind of likable. So maybe maybe we can find a balance because Ted Lasso is too far in the other direction for me. So um, and then I have been watching Only Murders in the Building um, and it's fun. Like it, it's a, have you guys either of you started it? I've started it. I I haven't I kind of like half watched a few episodes, so I need to go back. But I have such a deep affection for Steve Martin. He's my dad's clone. But yeah. he's just, I, I mean, his and Martin Short's like real life friendship is the best. I don't really yeah. have opinions about uh, who's is Selena Gomez. Like, I don't really feel strongly. I kind of miss that, like, you're either Selena or Justin moment. <laughs> um, but I love the concept and kind of this exploration of parasocial relationships to true crime, having just finished this whole Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry saga. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a really fun show. I love Steve Martin and Martin Short and they're so charming in it. And it's weird. I, 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 as I've been watching this, I was, I've been thinking for 30 years, they've been doing the same thing. Like they're the same characters for 30 years and it's not old to me. Like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel has been or washed out to me. It still somehow feels fresh every time they do it. And this has been so charming to see them do it. I don't, know who selena gomez is honestly like i is she a singer i, I don't know um yes. um i love you like a baby okay 
she's got like i think she's the most followed person on instagram well i i don't know her um and like obviously i think i'm just too old for for selena gomez which is fine uh but she she's perfectly fine in this um she's, she's not yeah she's good yeah she's not the star of the show for me like i i like many other people in it more but she is perfectly fine in it and you can tell she's having a lot of fun playing off of Steve Martin and Martin Short. Like that dynamic between the three of them is not something that I think most people would have just uh, thought of on their own, but seeing like these two like boomers with Selena Gomez uh, act together and sort of like play off of one another is, is pretty fun. And it feels like a pretty fresh thing. The story is fine, but like it's, it's fun to sit with these characters. And so I would recommend it. Um, and I think that's kind of it. Meg, what have you been watching? So Squid Game was on my list. Ted Lasso was on my list. Succession season three premiered Sunday. And every day mm. since I've been sad, it's not the next Sunday. Because I just, we we binge season one and two in preparation for season three. And when you get into that pattern of an episode of Succession every night, you really experience a withdrawal when you don't have any more episodes to watch. So I've been... Um, it's been a hard week for me uh, to make up for it. We have been watching the holiday, which I have never seen and might be the longest movie ever created, but it's a Nancy Meyer. And so I'm just like happy to be there. You know, we watch about 20 minutes every night before we fall asleep. And we're just in these beautiful rooms with poor acting, but beautiful people. And it's cozy and nice and the perfect way to fall asleep. Um, which, and, one, which one is the holiday? I, okay, so Cameron Diaz breaks up with her boyfriend in LA and Kate Winslet's ex-boyfriend gets engaged in London and they both just happen to be super trusting of humans on the internet and they switch houses and cars yeah. and one of them has a dog and I'm like, did you give her instructions on how to take care of the dog? Because we sure glossed over that in this movie, but it works out fine. And then I haven't got there yet, Jude but- Lado. Jude Law, we've gotten to Jude Law, but Kate Winslet falls in love with Jack Black, which I'm like, okay, but fun, like good time. Jack Black, we would all be so lucky to be with we, Jack Black. Ob obviously, it's just a little bit of an attractiveness disparity, but that's fine. On Angie's suggestion. Hang on, I just need to say one thing about The Holiday. That wow. movie to me, I'm sorry, that movie to me is the same as Julie and Julia. I like all the Kate Winslet parts because I actually think Kate Winslet's charming in it. Cameron Diaz is awful in that Cam movie. <laughs> Cameron really Diaz horrible. is very bad in this movie, which yeah. I, I really like her in My Best Friend's Wedding. I think that's my favorite performance of hers. And I have to believe that it was really good writing and really good directing that got her there in my best friend's reading wedding. And she's actually, sorry, my, I'm like getting blown up with text messages. She is actually pretty bad in yeah. the hands of anyone else, which is tragic, but beautiful, wonderful face to look at. I'm not mad. Anyway, if you'll let me continue. Go ahead. Angie suggested that we watch jennifer's body for this episode and i am so glad because it is not a movie i would have watched without that suggestion so angie tell us why you picked this movie first of all had either of you seen this before no, no this was a new oh that's so good yeah um i i set a goal last year to watch 100 movies i'd never seen before and someone at the end of the year asked me my 
top five. And honest, and my honest answer was, I hadn't watched Jennifer's Body when it first released, and I loved it when I watched it last year. I just had a completely, I don't know if it was surprise or subverting what my expectations were, um, but Jennifer's Body came out in 2009 and was kind of horrific, horrifically marketed as a, this is a sexy Megan Fox mm-hmm. uh, teenage boy should go and watch this because Megan Fox is is hot type of a movie. And we're very disappointed because it's not really about being sexy and gory. It's it's much more than that. But uh, it's written by Diablo Cody. It's what she wrote kind of simultaneously or, or right after Juno and was directed by a woman and also st- uh, stars Amanda Seyfried, who I love. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, really when you break it down is is about these two girls and their kind of horrible relationship to each other and also how awful men treat women <laughs> which yes. is like not necessarily something that's new but is also uh i think treated pretty well in this movie um anyway i don't know if we want to set the scene for for the genesis of jennifer the demon um, I am so glad you picked this movie. I had never watched it. And honestly, I think it was the title that really put me off uh, because I didn't need a movie that was horny for Megan Fox. You, you know, like the world's already horny for Megan Fox all the time. I don't need just like Megan Fox being hot. Good for her. But I'd rather spend my time watching something else. And I didn't realize this was a Diablo Cody. And I everything she writes feels like it's made specifically for me. And this was very much made not for men (laughs) in a really fun and surprising way. And it's my favorite kind of horror camp horror. That's more funny than scary. I really, really love this. Eli, what did you think? Um, Is this a vampire movie? I was very confused. I think think she's technically a succubus. Okay. I, I mean, she's possessed by a demon She's eating people's necks like vampires, but then she just like eats the rest of them too. And then she's drinking blood. And so I'll just say I've never, to the extent this is a vampire movie, I've never been interested in vampires. I, this is an emperor's clothes thing for me, Meg. I've never understood why people are interested in vampires. It just has not appealed to me in any way. And so when I saw like the image of this film, I was like, oh no, this is going to be a long two hours for Eli. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts and why you two liked it. It kind of felt to me like I was watching a movie that was made for the CW and I like Amanda Seyfried. I don't think she's great in it. I don't care for Megan Fox at all, but I'm also not a straight dude. So maybe that's why. And so I don't know, like I was just watching, I'm like, I'm just watching like a lot of blood and I don't know why. So I am all ears. Please tell me why I should like this movie. To me, this movie felt like high school. (laughs) How do I phrase this? Um, The dynamic between those two girls in this movie felt like every relationship every girl has in high school with her friends. And it's only the supernatural elements that make it exaggerated, like the toxicity, but also wanting to be in the good graces of the cooler friend all the time and how um, the attention of boys complicates that and pits girls against each other. That felt 
the most accurate of any that that was like mean girls level of understanding teenage girls angie i want to hear why you like it i think i like it because it's like really great in its specificity jennifer is a specific kind of small town hot girl that i feel like we everybody knows she's like she's not actively harmful obviously she gets turned into a demon and she becomes harmful but she's she just kind of doesn't un, has never had to try to do anything more than what she's doing i was also very triggered by the by the fashion in that in that <laughs> yeah. movie the puffy the puffer jacket with like the fur line hood alone i was like Ugh. i knew way too many girls with that white puffy coat there was a shirt megan fox was wearing and even Megan Fox looked bad in it. And what a tragedy that like the best years of our lives were spent in low rise jeans oh. and the ugliest tops there. And then the, the dress that Amanda Seyfried wore, the pink poofy dress to the dance that didn't even feel like of the era. What was that? I think that part was a joke. Yeah, he I was doing was... it as a joke. I think yeah, like I think that was a joke of the movie that her mom made her wear that dress. Oh, maybe Ooh, I just uh, cameo that. by Amy Sedaris. <laughs> I love Amy. I love a good Amy Sedaris cameo. Yeah, this is a stacked cast. Mm -hmm. J.K. Simmons as like the really earnest, curly-haired high school teacher worried about everyone's tragedy after the bar burns down. He's great. Yeah. And I've never seen J.K. Simmons be bad in anything. No, yeah. and Adam Brody, I think, is the runaway star performance of this movie. I think it's the funniest role I've seen him in ever. It's it's very interesting because I, I was doing some reading, um, you know, just trying to organize my thoughts around why I respond to this movie and why I responded so strongly to it last year. And some of it got a little heavy into like, we're in a post Me Too world and these yeah. men sacrifice this girl who who's I mean, again, Megan Fox's performance, I think is really good in this. I think she's, I agree. Like her sobbing at the sacrificing scene that flashes back is so believable. And the guys are just laughing at her, which is a little, the article was like, it's a little Brett Kavanaugh-esque yeah. where they talked about the laughter of, of men when women go through tragic things. And yeah. that, you, I think <laughs> that was pretty strong. We read the and, same article. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> But yeah, they're just singing uh, eight six seven five three zero nine while they're getting ready to to ruin this poor girl's life. Um, but he's so good, and it's also a precursor to his appearance in. I don't know if you guys uh, watch Promising Young Woman, Woman, mm -hmm. where I mean, it's not a new thing to cast kind of the sweet boy who like we all love from the OC and be like, actually, he's heartless and awful, and and horrible but he's he's another person who's good in everything um he was really good in ready or not did you guys see that scary no. movie that came out two years ago it's about like a it's, it's kind of succession-esque it's um about a, a hide-and-seek game from a wealthy family where they all go after the bride after a wedding and, <laughs> and he's, he's in it and he's great he's like the random brother um, um did you, do you see kid detective yes he's so good so good so good in everything. I, someone feels like we never talk about. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think part of why I responded to it is because I think it subverted expectations of what this was meant to be. It's it's not a movie for you to ogle Megan Fox. And one of and again, one of the articles I read it was talking about former reviews. The reviews that came out in two thousand nine 
And some horrible guy was like, if you want to ogle Megan Fox, there's other movies that do it better. And it's like, yeah, you maybe missed the point. Yeah. Like what your gaze means or, you know, but I, I also like when horror tries to do something different instead of just the traditional, I don't know, avenues. And I, I I just, I love the Amanda, Megan dynamic. I mean, I think this movie was truly ahead of its time. This was before Get Out. You know, this was before genre or horror movies were trying to actually do something within their genre. And this was very much trying to use the genre to tell a story. And it was feminist on a level the world wasn't ready for in 2009. And it had all of this um, queer subtext that the world was not ready for in 2009. It was truly like a decade ahead Mm -hmm. of its time. And it's really tragic the way that it was received. And like you mentioned, the way it was targeted. Eli, sorry, I cut you off. No, I was going to say basically the same thing. I feel like nuance in the horror genre is a really new thing at least uh, for mainstream audiences to appreciate it. I, I mean, I'm sure for decades, the, you know, people who like horror films have appreciated that. Uh, but I, I feel like a lot of the conversation about Get Out was, wait a minute, now there's a horror film that's saying something, you know, and for for a lot of people that felt new. And to the extent that that's what this movie was trying to do is be a horror film that's saying something about the way men treat women and rape culture and that sort of thing, then yeah, I totally agree. It was a decade too early for it to be appreciated. I mean, you can talk about the seventies and like Rosemary's baby and the shining, and those were very much trying to do things, but I feel like that was a different brand of horror. That was a very serious kind of horror. We're doing this with a dark comedy is actually what I would call it more than horror is something really interesting. Um, That's the, that's the campy element. Yeah. The camp of it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And I mean, when when did you see in the 80s, 90s and early 2000s a campy horror film taken seriously in its messages that are, you know, more um thoughtful than just campy horror? Yeah. I'm curious what you guys think cuz there's a lot of current discourse around like the kiss. I'm curious because Again, part of the marketing, the the they wanted to really amp up the girl on girl action and make it seem like wild things, which it's not. Like it's not the man in the room watching the two girls kiss. It's kind of this strange manipulative moment. And there's a lot of people who believe that Needy was in love with Jennifer the whole time. Mm. And Jennifer's manipulating that again, neediness. Um but I, I don't know. I don't know if I've come to a conclusion. I Here's what I think. And I have zero evidence to back it up. But I think when you're a teenage girl, you're very insecure and you're looking to other people to show you how to be an act. And so Needy was always looking to Jennifer and to have Jennifer's affection would be to have her ultimate approval and would mean that Needy was the kind of person that she needed to be. So I think that kiss represented um, Needy having some power in their relationship for the first time. I could absolutely be wrong. I probably am. No, I think that's, I think that's a good reading of it. I think it's interesting because like 
Needy's relationship with her high school boyfriend, Chip, is not really like fireworks and roses. <laughs> it's like stumbling condom runs at Super Target and yeah. him being like, am I hurting you? And having no idea what she is. And part of that is like what I like about it, especially in that sex scene. Like he's so oblivious to what she's experiencing to the point that like he uses it to stroke his own ego. He's like, am I, yeah. am I hurting you? Because like my lovemaking is too intense and like I, we're not a phys- we're, I'm just so advanced and like mature that, that I'm hurting you. Un- unwittingly realizing she has this like mental connection to Jennifer and is seeing this horror behind him. Um, so that like relationship seems fine. It's like, it's not a harmful relationship with Chip. Chip is kind of a non-factor. Um, but I don't think she feels passionately about about him. But I also understand navigating things as a teenager is incredibly complicated. And sometimes you're not doing something out of, you know, love. Well, they have that conversation when they confront each other during their kiss scene where Amanda Seyfried says to Megan Fox that you're insecure and Megan Fox takes like great offense. That's like, why would I be insecure and whatever? And I felt like that was a conversation where the two of them were grappling with the fact that they're both insecure and a lot of their relationship with one another is based on that insecurity. So, you know, some of that um, need or desire to control one another and seek one another's approval might just be based not in an actual, you know, sexual attraction to one another, but just that um, particular insecurity that they both share. And at the same time, I think it's, I don't think there's an indictment on Jennifer's ability to manipulate people around her with her sexuality. I think there's movies we watch where people, where the subtext is like, this is cheap and horrible. And I think as a function of her having a demon inside her and needing to manipulate whoever she needed to to go into the woods or show up at an abandoned house or even, you know, I think I think part of the function for Jennifer with Needy was just like, I can manipulate who I need to to survive. And that's mm. just a function of of existing in the current parameters of I have to feed on people to uh, continue living. Um, but I don't really think the filmmakers condemn her for it i think they are ultimately at odds and someone's got to win um but i i i don't think it is like shame on girls for manipulating boys into going into the woods with them i think it's very much past that i think Mm -hmm. if anything the filmmakers uh are showing sympathy for her and for her beauty and her body um and are demonstrating very effectively what it means to be the prettiest girl in your town when you're 17 and how targeted you are she's literally sacrificed <laughs> because she's the prettiest girl in her town when she's 17 and how often those girls are used and abused and no one shows them how to take care of themselves better or how to fight for themselves and in a really dark way this is kind of um a revenge narrative on behalf of those girls that I thought was really fun. I agree. I don't think you, I don't ever, I don't come away hating anyone other than the band, the horrible band. <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's funny that the song keeps playing every time, like at the vigil and in the car, it's like this horrible song that this mediocre band made is just ever present. And I, love I loved, yeah. So I, I 2009, so I, 2009. I loved the outburst from the girl in class when she's when um, Amanda Seyfried's like, I, I don't even this band isn't even good. And the girl in class is like, this band is important. 
which is how we all felt about music, which yeah. <laughs> uh, li- listening to it now, my only touch point with that movie, because I wasn't into horror. And like, again, it was marketed as like, watch Megan Fox take her top off, which is not really what the movie is. But I was a hardcore Panic at the Disco fan at the time. Mm-hmm. So the Panic at the Disco song that they made specifically for this movie, I consumed endlessly. Um, and he very much, Brendan Urie has turned out to be very much in the vein of the horrible late 2000s bands but uh anyway um i think that having the bad guys be an indie band is a really funny idea and the things they say about how do you know how many indie bands there are and we're all cute that scene really did make me laugh i thought that that was one of the strongest scenes in the movie as terrible as it is it's really funny diablo cody is really funny and i think Angie, in the article we all read, um, she talks about not intending to make this funny, but she just can't help herself. And totally, she didn't mean to make funny. And young adult wasn't supposed to be funny, but she just has this very comedic sensibility. And I think this movie plays because of it. I think that it's the perfect lane for it to live in. I don't think it took itself too seriously. I mean, again, speaking back to what horror was in 2009, do you guys know what the top grossing horror movie was of that year? human centipede oh no (laughs) that was like what we were apparently like interested in and part of that was like shock horror right which is like not my genre like i really like horror movies like i don't have an appetite for let's see how horrible this can this can go for you if you get trapped in somewhere um so i think when people would compare this as like here's a here's a body horror or here's a horror comedy they were didn't know what to do with it um, even the title is very funny to me. It's like, she just exists as this vessel and she's not really a person, which mm. like, again, we had a whole discourse post 2010 about what Megan Fox went through in Hollywood yeah. and like how horrible Michael Bay treated her. And like, God bless, she came out the other side with Machine Gun Kelly. And I hope you guys read that, that, uh, GQ article. I but am weed. A, I am weed. It's a, truly a wild ride, but she seems better. And like her and Amanda Seyfried both have said like this was one of their favorite movie making experiences. Oh, cool. Huh. Yeah. Um, I Justice for Jennifer's Body is really how I feel ultimately. I think it's a movie that everyone should revisit or watch for the first time if you hadn't. Don't be turned off by the title. Don't. I thought I honestly thought it was just going to be overtly sexual and it's not it's a entirely different kind of movie. I think it's fun. I think it's funny. I didn't lose sleep after watching it, which I'm still recovering from hereditary. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I I love this. We have four minutes left on the Zoom, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, Angie, thank you so much. We're sorry we had to do this via Zoom. Blame the coronavirus. I'm sorry. It's, you know, it's one thing you don't really have to apologize for, um, (laughs) but it is always funny trying to get three adults in a room together at any point. Uh, Right. We finally did some of it. So good for us. How many times did we reschedule this? I think it was twice, possibly seven. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a real journey. Um, But we really loved having you here. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We'll be back next week. Eli, what are we doing next week? I forgot. We we still it's still Halloween, right? Do we need to do one more scary movie? No, it'll be the Monday after Halloween. We're free. 
Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back with something amazing. Hopefully Eli will be in good health again. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon.